Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, this is The Bright Side with Technisha. A daily broadcast on real-life issues that will keep you motivated. And now, here's your host, Technisha. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is September 3rd, 2014, the last day of September. Now we're moving on into October. I hope everyone has had a blissful day so far, and if not, then maybe you can just take the time to pray about it, and maybe the show will help you to deliver that part off your back today. Um, I have a wonderful guest on, and we're going to get started into that. But, you know, I just wanted to say today is National it's National Host Day. So if you have a favorite host or it don't even have to be me because I know I just started. You can go to, um, go to Twitter and hashtag Pat Podcast Day. Yeah, I think I got it right. Hashtag Podcast Day. And you could just tweet about your favorite host or whoever you feel like doing. Um, this is really... This is really outrageous. Um, I was reading a story earlier about this mom. Right, you're not even going to probably believe it. This mom, she served cookies to a child's class, but it wasn't just the regular type cookies. It was of a woman's genital area. She was trying to teach them. Yeah, I know, you heard that right, a genital area. And I'm not joking at all. I mean, it had this cookie was of all varieties. It was small, uh, puffy, white, brown. You know, everything with beef curds. And, I mean, it was just outrageous. I think basically her main thing was she was trying to teach um, anatomy to second grade with the cookie the way it looked. It was kind of racy. So <laughs> I don't know what happened to the cookie. And the mom has since moved her child to a different school, and she's no longer allowed on district property. So, Mom, I need you to tighten up out there. You don't do any more cookies like that. We you just go about a different way to teach a child anatomy or anybody else. <laughs> you don't have to do those type of cookies. But anyhow, getting on to today, getting on to our wonderful day of this show, we have Miss Alexandra Clare. Uh, Miss Alexandra Clare is a known writer on Christian deliverance exorcism. She has a wonderful book out. Well, actually, two Woods and and also discerning spirits. And we'll be talking about that, talking about exorcism, the deliverance, intercession, and everything, the three classes of demonic possession. So do call in at 347-426-3751 with only intelligent questions. The chat box will be open for you, too. Alexandra, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing this morning? Well, wonderful. It's, it's an honor to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I do. I love talking about these type of things because it keeps our mind open, and it's only the real actuality of it all. Just as the same thing, people don't think that you don't have evil, but or to have good, you gotta have evil. So all this ties into one. So Alex, before we get into anything, let's talk a little bit more about you. How you even got started into maybe the ministry of exorcism and Christian writing? Okay. Well. Um, uh... I guess I have always been had the ability to discern spirits. I didn't find Jesus Christ and um, and pray to receive him as my Savior until I was 23 years old. 
So prior to that time, um, you know, I have a lot of, I talk to some guests too, as you know, and um, and a lot of people will talk about, you know, they've been addicted or they've been, you know, they've been um, promiscuous in their life or they'll talk about all these sins. But I really committed a sin that is almost worse than any other, and that is that I was chasing after the occult. I was trying to identify demons simply because from the time I was small, I was exposed to that in the sense that that barrier between me and the unseen world for some reason was porous. And I believe I inherited that, that that came down through the generations, probably through uh, my Irish heritage. And um, But it comes down, you know, in many different ways. Um, and so I was trying to understand that. I was trying to understand that in a certain context um, that took me down a dark path. And um, and then, I, as I said, I trusted Christ at age 23, and God began to use that gift. Uh, for many years, I, I just kind of put that on the back burner and um, because in the church, uh, the gift of discerning spirits is not really understood. And so if I would try and talk about it or discuss it with my pastor or uh, anything like that, um, it would really not be understood. And so I would just kind of keep it hidden. And um, it was through a process of growing up and maturing and reading the Bible and really understanding Jesus Christ's ministry in that context that I began then again to embrace that gift and use it. Um, opportunities began to come my way and the people would call and say, uh, mostly my gift is centered on um, places. And so people would call and say, you know, my house is haunted or something's going on in my house or I've had a visitation from a dead relative. And, um, and, we, and we know that the dead does not, do not come back from the grave. They go down into silence and they do not come back from the, from the grave. And so God began to use me to minister in a very quiet way with certain people who would ask me for help. And so I developed from that an um, intercessory prayer ministry uh, where I began to pray um, against, you know, the way God teaches us to pray in his word against evil spirits and demons um, because they are, you know, they're around us all the time. And because of the covering of the blood and the fire of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ who dwells within us, um, we have protection. And um, But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be aware that there are these, um, that people are suffering in ways that we need to step into spiritual warfare and pray for those people. Right. And I do agree with that. Now, Alice, you said the dead, well, they don't just get off from the grave. Which I, I do believe that, but what about the spirits or the, because I'm, I'm curious, or I may be mixing up the two, so what people actually see in their house, are they actually spirit, or are they part of their imagination? Uh, no, no, I, um, these spirits are real, and people do have real experiences with demons and evil spirits. And they do attack us, and they do manifest. And when that happens, um, you know, we're told to pray against that. I'm trying to find the verse. I believe it's Psalm 116. Um, let's see, see if I can find it here. I should have had it out. Here it is. It's Psalm 100 and, um, 115, and it's verse 17. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. 
But as for us, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forever. Praise the Lord. And then we know also from Hebrews that it says it is appointed unto man to live once and then um, and then death. So we only have one life. We're not reincarnated. However, I do believe that we inherit, um, uh, you know, certain um, uh, – I believe there are other senses than the five senses and that we can inherit some of that that comes down to us through the bloodline. Okay. Because we living in a physical world, which has this, I, I think they call it more of a, um, what word am I trying to figure it up? Maybe coexisting. Yes, we do. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. So these spirits You're, and these demons that around freely, and they cause all this chaos to me by injecting thoughts of violence, this lust, this hatred, this belief in God, of course, which we're going, which we're going to talk about too a little bit. People out here who don't actually think there's a God. Uh, matter of fact, I would love to talk about that because a lot of people don't. They don't believe in it. But if you don't know what the purpose of living, of living, and of course we live for the for the better man purpose, but there's other purposes out here, but. You know, that's what really gets me. I don't know why people don't think it's no one else. It's no God. Right, right. Well, I, I, you're, um, I'm having trouble hearing you, Tanisha. You're breaking up a little bit. Um, okay. But anyway, I'll, I'll try and respond. I think I, I heard what you said. Um, I don't think there's any such thing as an atheist. God said that he planted eternity in the hearts of men. So even though someone might give lip service to that idea that there is no God, and, you know, that's just a completely ignorant kind of um, way to look at the world. There is a higher power, um, and what we name that higher power is very important to how we're going to spend eternity. Jesus Christ says that we know from Scripture that there's only one way to come to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. And that's what I believe, and... um, And I don't make apology for that. But I do think that Satan works very hard to deceive people. And part of what we've inherited from original sin is that idea that we can have God in our terms, that we can be God, that because we think something, that's the case. And there is a truth and a reality that is grounded in the sciences that God has given us as a roadmap that very much points to God um, that points to to a higher a creator. Um, our world is so intricate and so marvelous and so complicated, and yet we are also contending always with the evil entities and the other and the other dimensions from which Satan launches attacks. And um, and that's just the reality. And so we all need Jesus Christ. And um, of course, you know, you and I both have a heart for pe- seeing people. Um, save, don't we? Right. Yes, yes, we do. We need him badly, especially the way <laughs> times are now. With everyone getting out of control with all the killings of these young men out here, we have to stay prayed up. We have to stay prayed up. And I know that's so hard 
We want so much done at one time, but we got called on the Lord through all this. We cannot forget that. Because God said, vengeance is his. Regardless of what you think someone may be getting away with, they're not getting away with nothing in God's eyesight. But you have to let it follow through no matter what the situation or the circumstances are. Now, you know, I love the fact, because I, I, I read most part of your book um, on discerning spirits. Um, interesting, because I also want to ask you, too, you spoke of a young lady in your book named Jennifer. Were, were these encounters with Jennifer true throughout the book? Yes, um, yes. I write about real experiences with people, but I change the names. Sometimes I will change the sex, you know, because I don't want um, anybody who's confided in me or that I've ministered to in some way to ever feel like I am um, – uh, you know, um, exposing them. Um, uh, what I do, I, for example, if I go to do a cleansing in a house, I never publicize the address of that house or say where I've been because I don't want people then to be drawn to that location or I don't want anyone to ever go up to someone and say, hey, I read about you, um, you know, Alex told your story. You know, I just don't want that to ever happen because people are entitled to privacy, especially if they've healed from something. And they're entitled to their own story and to share their story when they're strong enough to and to decide what they want to share and what they don't want to share. And you and I both know, Tanisha, that when we go out and share a testimony, because my guess is that you've done that and I've done that, we speak a little differently to each group. Uh, we don't tell each group everything. We tell, each, we tell the group what we feel the Holy Spirit is leading us to share, to share that is going to minister to those people at that particular time. And so we stay open to him. And so I, um, that's how I write. Um, and, um, and I also contact people and say, um, hey, in one case, someone had already died, uh, but I contact people and say, um, hey, in an oblique kind of way, I'm going to tell your story. Is that okay with you? Okay. Does that make sense? It does. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but Jennifer is a real person, and um, and that actually happened to her. <clears throat> and um, and that is where the church sometimes um, doesn't respect boundaries. And, um, you know, we have sometimes an idea that healing is not a process, that healing just happens and we're zapped and we're suddenly healed. But healing is a process, and God takes us through many levels of healing. And so to put someone forward as young as she was to share a very painful experience that she not only didn't have the words to, you know, get herself through, but didn't have the, the emotional maturity and, and never really had any significant counseling. I'm a big believer in, um, in counseling for certain kinds of abuse, Christian counseling. And, um, and then aftercare in the church, whenever we do, whenever deliverance takes place and someone's come from a really traumatic place of needing healing. Right. And and that is, you know, Alex is right on the note every single word. Now, Alex, when I thought about Jennifer, you know, I thought about movies like um, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. They were based on true accounts. But do yeah. you think maybe the movies kind of amped up a little bit on this because you know you got all the production lights and everything, the scripts. Mhm. 
Well, what I didn't, I did watch that movie. In fact, um, when it came out, um, I was attending a little Bible church in Iowa, and uh, we went down and passed out tracts and talked to people as they came out of that movie, and I actually led a couple of people to the Lord because they were so frightened when they came out of that movie. Um, I didn't like the um, the storyline really painted the priest in the end he dies. And we have absolute victory over darkness. Um, it doesn't mean that we're not going to be attacked, but we have absolute victory. But that was a picture of um, what I call conflicted possession. Scripture um, ta- gives us three pictures of demonic possession in Scripture. And they're very clear. I don't think I've ever heard anybody preach on these three pictures uh, because, you know, it's not politically correct to discuss evil in that context. I don't believe Christians um, ever need exorcism. Um, Exorcism is for the unsaved, but I do believe that Christians need deliverance. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote this book, Discerning Spirits, because we throw these terms around, um, don't you agree, and when when we're really meaning different things. But if we would sit down and really talk about it, we would agree but we're throwing these terms around, and the world doesn't know what we're talking about. So deliverance, right. is, for Christ- deliverance is for Christians, and, um, and exorcism is for people that really have a demonic infestation that is set up in their bodies, in their, soul, in their minds, and, um, and they need exorcism. Right. They do. We, and that's why it's so much confusion. That's why you do have to start getting into your own Bible and studying it. The Old Testament and the New Testament as well. And it's good yeah. to read the, that's the Old Testament because that's where we going back to. We are. We're getting right back into our revelations and everything. So you have to study on your own stuff because movies like that will throw you. And if you yeah. don't know your Bible, it'll be like, oh, okay, so... This is real, but see, at the same time, they're adding more into it. They're, they're, they need it for the writings. They're not going to give you the whole truth exact no. thing. They're not right, so they're going to add their own little oomph to it, and that that does teach you off a little bit, especially when you're a true Christian. You're like, wait a minute, that's not how it's done. No. No, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you have to. Yeah, you really have to be prayed up and know your own word because movies like that will throw you and you'll believe it if you're a non-Christian. Now, right. speaking on that fact, that's what you do talk about in your book, Discerning Spirits. You talk about the three profiles of demonic possession in yeah. scriptures. Yeah, um, I Alice, do. If you don't mind, could you go over those for us, please? Sure. Um, I go over it in much more detail in my book, So, um, yeah. and Discerning Spirits is on Amazon. Anyone can get it. It's real inexpensive. It's just $12. I actually think Amazon has it on there for 10 right now. But, um, but the first picture that we have is what I call conflicted possession, and that is actually the, even though it outwardly looks like the most difficult kind of possession to work with, it's actually the simplest, or not simple is the wrong word, but less complicated because that person is fighting the demonic uh, presence that has set up in their body. They've maybe been involved in the occult, and they have invited a spirit being to, ta- to cohabit their body, and that spirit brings other spirits. And then the person just is like horrified that they have actually opened the door to this invitation because this there has to be an invitation. There is something called transference, but that's a little different. But um, but um, but this person has invited this demonic entity, and um, 
And so they're fighting. They're just horrified. They're absolutely horrified. And they realize that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a life and death struggle. And so they're fighting that. And that is the picture of what I call conflicted possession. Um, and you have many um, evidences of uh, symptoms of mental illness, and yet you do not have, um, I mean, I'm t- talking about extreme psychosis, and someone, but also other symptoms that have nothing to do with the psychiatric um, description. And so, um, for example, you would smell odors, you might see writing on the skin, um, you would see the fa- changes in the face, um, you, would, you would know that you were in this battle. And the other, um, and, then, and so that's conflicted possession, and that's the picture of the demoniac from the tombs. And I just love that story of the demoniac where um, uh, at the end he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and he just begs Jesus to let him come along with him. And Jesus tells him to go back to his village and tell people and celebrate the victory of this success because Jesus is modeling for us how to perform an exorcism. Well, why is he doing that? He's doing that because this is sometimes necessary. Then the other picture we have is the picture of what I call ambulatory possession and that is harder to work with but that is where um the fight for the possession of the body is over and okay and this is the picture of for example judas where scripture says that satan entered into judas very specifically says that satan entered into judas and 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 god you know and jesus at the last supper passes the morsel to satan and tells him or passes the morsel to Judas to eat and tells him this is, and what does Judas do? He's completely ambulatory. He looks normal to Nisha. He goes and he um, negotiates the price of Jesus. Nobody thinks he's mentally ill. He's negotiating the betrayal of Jesus. He's, there's an exchange of funds, and he's completely operational in the world. And we meet people in the world who are ambulatory possessed. They're dangerous and um, they're dangerous to life, and we meet these people. And then the last picture is what Malachi Martin um, called, um, oh, it just escapes me, he called it um, perfect possession. But I didn't really like the term perfect associated with this term, so I call it, fatal, I call it fatal possession. And this is somebody like a Hitler who has, Um, so blasphemed the Holy Spirit by rejecting God over and over again, displacing that that ability, that that ingrained gift that God gave us to self-determine a course of action, that we have the stamp of eternity, this longing for eternity, has displaced it to the extent they have willingly uh, embraced through the occult and occult actions um, a satanic infestation, and the person is essentially dead, but the body is moving, walking. There is no conscience. Um, there is no feeling. And these are very, very dangerous people. And we have prototypes of the Antichrist, the last Antichrist of world history, of course, mm-hmm. will be um, the Antichrist of Revelation, and he will be fatally possessed. And there is no hope for this person. Um, and so Herod is an example. Um, Herod, who beheaded uh who beheaded John the Baptist, is an example of somebody who was fatally possessed. And then Jezebel in the, in the Old Testament, it's interesting that 
the uh, prophet never goes to minister or confront Jezebel because she's long gone. She's, she's no longer present. The human Jezebel is no longer present to her body, and she's absolutely um, an antichrist figure. And so I, I think it's important for people to recognize, um, uh, recognize these three pictures. Um, I'm not an exorcist, um, but I do do deliverance. Um, but there yeah. are people who I think are gifted to uh, perform an exorcism. Why well, I had another lady on my show, and she said she, she didn't. She was in the same boat like you, Alice. Didn't practice it, um, but she did do, and she knew of people like that, and she was a psychic. So um, now speaking on position, knowing that this is one of the rarest degrees. Does the devil take full control of the person's will so that they're kind of a puppet to Satan? Well, um, in the case of fatal possession, yes, the devil takes complete charge of that body. That person is essentially dead, um, and uh, but um, that's very rare. We always oh, want to hope. We always want to hold out hope for people. And a, a picture of somebody who, uh, Manasseh, I don't know if you got to that part in my book where I write about him, but he was one of the last kings of Judah. And he was basically a practicing Satanist. He, um, uh, he, um, uh, he burned his children in the fire, practiced human sacrifice, child sacrifice to Satan. And uh, God sends the Assyrian army into, um, uh, and he's taken prisoner. And there is this beautiful picture, and I'm trying to find it in the book because I, I didn't really prepare for this. I'm sorry. But there's a beautiful picture in Scripture where he says he bends the knee of his heart and he calls out to God for another chance. You know, we have such a powerful, radical faith, and, I, and people can go so far down an evil path, but I tell people there is always hope. And uh, except for that rare person who is fatally possessed, there is, there is hope. And they can turn around and they can embrace Jesus Christ and have new life. So when I wrote this book, I didn't want to write in a glib way that would make people think, form quick decisions, because this is a complicated area and, in, and needs many different disciplines. We're so fortunate to live in a time when um, narcissism has been identified and those characteristics are identified. And, you know, we have all the psychosciences um, where people are, you know, actually investigating um, uh, people that, you know, have um, personality disorders. But we always want to hold out hope for people that they can be saved. And, um, and that's just one picture of somebody who stepped from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, to receive eternal life, as Paul did. See, and see, this what I like about your book, because it's truthful. And I think this is a good book for for people who do, who do know Jesus Christ as well as a non-Christian. And it's real. It's nothing fake about it. It's not telling you, oh, you should go this way. I'm just, I'm just giving you my honest truth, and and you land it out on the table. So that's what I like about it. It's not sugarcoating anything at all, Alice. It's a great book, and I think people should pick it up or get it on Kindle. You know, whichever way you prefer, hardback or Kindle. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I also so write a welcome. blog. Yeah, I also write a blog, and it's um, 
just tipped over 100,000 people reading my blog. And it wow. is, um, it's Alexandra Claire, C-L-A-I-R.com, www.alexandraclaire.com. And um, the books are up there as well. Yes, I did. I took a sneak peek at that, too. Um, <laughs> it, it is. It's wonderful. I mean, it would throw you for a whammy because it, it's so deep, but it's understandable for someone who doesn't understand or don't actually know. It's almost like, just for instance, when you're learning the Bible and you get all the, the yays and the brethren in there, you're like, wait a minute, I don't understand this language. Yeah. It's easy for you to understand, so it's not hard to obtain at all. It's it's very simple. Alice, in your whole lifetime, have you ever witnessed full possession? Um, yes, I have. And, um, okay. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, narcissism, um, uh, you know, narcissistic, a lot of people who have the gift of discernment have had a narcissistic personality in their life. And I had a, growing up, had a narcissistic personality that impacted my life. And um, and it's almost a, the training school, you know. It's where you develop that ability to walk into a room and you sense, as a child maybe, this is not a safe environment and I need to remove myself from this environment. And you don't have the words. Children don't have the words. They don't understand. They're often victimized. But it's very important, and you just brought up a good point in what you just said, that language is so important. And so one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book was just in the hope that Christians would read it and we would all begin Mm -hmm. talking, using the same words to describe um, what's going on so that we could then embrace this powerful ministry of healing and intercession and uh, really making a difference in our churches. But we have such a superficial gloss taking place in Mm -hmm. our churches they are slow to respond to the needs of our um, societal kind of imprints right. that are, are affecting us. Yeah, and um, and I do write about the. Um, I just wanted to give this list, if I could, the five oh, yeah. primary the five primary sins of the religious church that stand in satanic opposition to blessing, restoration, and revival. We throw those words around, but they mean nothing because we're not putting ourselves in a position where we can really receive um, blessing, restoration, and revival. And these are five sins um, that I think uh, whenever I go into a church, um, and sometimes I've had to go into a ministry or a church and help them with a situation, uh, lack of reverence for the Lord's Supper, lack of apostle leadership and refusal to accept leadership, Failure to institute church discipline. You know, we have so many people sitting in the pews and thinking because they show up every Sunday, they're going to get a pass for their behavior. Failure to teach and preach against pagan occult constructs. Um, There's a Barner study that says that pastors are not preaching against the occult, but every period in history cycles, Tignesia, and right now we're cycling into a dark period And if we don't pull up our bootstraps and really preach God's word the way it's supposed to, take it into ourselves and walk it out, um, we're going to have a major correction, and we're heading in that direction. And the last is failure to offer restoration and aftercare through deliverance, exorcism, and healing. 
and to recognize mm. that these are not just quick little prayers that we say. This is a ministry that involves um, aftercare. It, involves, it, inv- it may involve a Christian counselor um, in, in terms of aftercare, that we offer people what they really need to embrace the healthy changes that God brings in our lives. Oh, yes. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to take a short commercial break, and we're going to come back with Alexandra Clare talking more on this and also talking about maybe some of the culture stands that are actually threatening the church as well that we don't look into. And we'll be talking about her woods end because she has a great uh, uh, film out and everything. So do not touch that dial. We'll be right back after this. There's only one station that will keep you happy. Blog Talk Radio. We're taking more of your calls at 347-426-3751. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this commercial break. Yeah, you, it's me, your heart. Listen to me. We've got to talk. High blood pressure is serious, and yours? Whoa. What happened to us? We used to be so much more active. But lately, you've been ignoring me. I know you think I'm just going to keep ticking away forever, but you're wrong. You can do so much more to control your high blood pressure. Doing the minimum isn't doing enough. I'm under a lot of pressure and can quit whenever I want. Bet you didn't know that. But I like my job. Just treat me better. Check on me. Give me something green to nibble on every once in a while. And maybe we can do some exercise on occasion. Let's get to it. After all, we're in this together. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't seen your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed. And they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs. And it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. All right, we're back on the bright side with Technicia, and we're here with Alexandra Clare, a Christian writer, deliverance and exorcism, and we have been talking about all the demonic possessions and everything, the the sins that are going on in church. So if it's not your type of topic, then, hey, turn the page because it's only going to be real on this show. Now, also, Alex, you know, I was thinking of some of the culture sins that maybe threaten the church, too, you know, like some of the competition when it comes to it. Because people have lost so much focus. It's like people have to compete. Like the church have to almost compete with everything on the outside, like with 
um, some of these baseball games. We rather watch a football game before we go to church or mm-hmm. we have our children celebrating all this miracle cultural, like One Direction. Yeah. Why not celebrate? Why not celebrate the Lord? You know, and then we yeah. have to um, also, you know, to me, fear dominates and dictates much of what people do. The fear, the fear of failure, drives people to workaholism. Workaholism. Yeah. <laughs> excuse me if I mispronounce. The fear alone is drives people to companionship. Then we have this individuality. Parents they encourage their children to be different and unique. Yeah. But, you know, we, we just, uh, to me, it boils all down. We just really forget where all we need to be at, and that's the kingdom of God, all yeah. this. And it's, it's incredibly resilient once you really get into it. It tolerates yeah. much, and it withstands so much more. But we just we lose focus, Alex. Yeah, you're so right. And um, I think that uh, we live in such a, a unique uh, time period uh, and I know you you agree with that. We have so yes. much stimulus around us all the time, and we are such an addictive culture. And so um, just think what it would have been like to live on a farm 100 years ago maybe, and you would not mm-hmm. have the constantly blaring radio. You wouldn't have the TV infiltrating your home. Um, right. Yeah, and, it's, and, you would, and you would be drawn to have – Quiet intimacy with Jesus Christ. If you were mm-hmm. if you were a Christian, you would be drawn to extended periods of prayer and reflection, and um, and that's why um, so many people need deliverance because they have so many Christians need deliverance because Satan has mm-hmm. set up a stronghold in their lives, and I don't care whether it's football or whatever it happens to be, whatever idol it is that takes preeminence over reading scripture and spending time with Jesus and knowing him. Um, And then, of course, we have the drug culture, and we have many, many Christians that are addicted to drugs. Um, We have a food and drug administration that uh, has put so much poison, allowed so much poison out on the market in the name of protecting us. And um, I don't know. It's the time period we live in, and it it requires that we be armed um, as Christians and knowledgeable, um, and Satan wants so much just to keep us in ignorance. Who he sure does. Uh, he does. He is. He is attacking every single time. That's why I was mentioning earlier about the situation going on in Ferguson. See, the more that you react and get upset, the devil loves that. He knows he can play off your emotions. That's why I said we got to stay prayed up. Get back into your Bible and start reading it. Because the kingdom of God provides nothing but absolute freedom for people to be authentic and genuine without fear of being dismissed. And you know, you mentioned just a moment ago, just now, you were talking about where Wearing the armor, my mother used to always preach that. And <laughs> let's talk about that. Let's talk about that, Alex, about what one needs to wear the breastplate of armor. Yes, well, you know, it's very important to be, um, well, it says in Matthew, um, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and what you, whatever you loose on earth will have, be, will have been loosed in heaven. We read scripture in such a supernatural way, and as we read it, um, you know, there are so many scripts running around in our head, and they 
and they watered and those scripts water down the word of God just because of what you said a few minutes ago that people are fearful, you know, they're they're afraid. Um they're not even always aware of what they're afraid of. Um, so it says in Philippians 2, um, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more so in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. If people would really understand the power of God's word and using his word, um, the scripture says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of, or, um, it, you know, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We have his word not only um, in our minds and our hearts, but if we would use his word as a powerful tool in our prayers and really believe that we can affect the destiny of of the outcome of many, many battles. Uh, prayer is really the key in making the time to be intimate with Jesus and really meditating on his word and understanding for us what it says. Right. And you, um, I was thinking anciently when one came to seek the king's help or counsel, the servant's job was to open the door to the king's house and assist him in reaching the king. Because I was thinking of your scripture that you just read about the um, read on the keys of the kingdom. But in all due, now at times, Christ's servants, the ministry, they have a similar responsibility to assist those God is calling in coming to their king, Jesus Christ. So we have a responsibility too. You, you praise his name every day. Do yeah. it. It doesn't yeah. matter. That's why I, I keep forgetting the country. It's part of Ethiopia, a city in Ethiopia, because uh, one of my friends went there. She said, at a certain time, they rung the bell, and you stopped, and you prayed. No matter what uh-huh. you were doing, if you were shopping, you could be bathing. You just stopped and prayed. And I was admired by one of the young ladies. Um, she is a rapper. Her name is Diamond. But on the show that I was watching, she said, let's pray. She said, no, she was taught that no matter what, she said, no matter what I am doing, I just stop and I pray. And I admire that about her, you know, and that is true. I need to probably start doing that. Just stop and pray. I don't know (laughs) if I get, I don't know if I can get away with it while I'm waiting on tables. Be like, I need you to wait on these tables first. Right. (laughs) But (laughs) it does make perfect sense. Yeah. And you know, the, uh, the Ethiopian church is one of the oldest, um, and they have um, uh, played a big part in protecting the word of God down through the ages. Okay. Now, this is what I wanted to know, because going back to exorcism, what is the difference from deliverance from, from both of those? Um, well, in deliverance, um, <clears throat> Christians who um, have trouble reading his word, read his mm-hmm. word, and then immediately forget his word, forget what they read. Okay. Uh, people that um, uh, are addicted maybe to food or to, um, you know, Satan uh, uses these tools. to He wants he can't affect the destiny of a Christian because we belong to Jesus Christ, and he, is, he holds us yes. tight in his grip, and he loves us, and he's never going to let us go. Um, scripture says if we are faithless, he will remain faithful, can he, for he cannot disown himself. 
well, why does it say that? He cannot disown himself because we have the Holy Spirit within us. And he's not taking that away. He said, I will not leave you as an orphan. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we have stepped mm-hmm. from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God. So Satan keeps Christians as much as possible sedentary on the couch, distracted with things that don't matter, um, with scripts in their head. Uh, for example, if you have a, um, a wound that you go back to over and over again, Satan is essentially sitting you down in your mind and holding you prisoner while he plays that script before you through your head over and over again. So you never move forward um, in forgiveness. You never move forward in healing. You never move past that to a place where you can really receive his word and believe what he says. And so people need deliverance for that. And that means Mm -hmm. that a church who has a deliverance ministry needs to be open to people that come to them for this kind of prayer because it's a specific kind of prayer where we lay hands on people and pray for them. And uh, the best ministry that I know that has the best me- best method for do that, doing this, and they actually go into churches and teach churches this, is Ken and Sylvia Thornburg's ministry, uh, Freedom Encounters. And that's www.freedomencounters.com. They have a wealth of information on their website. So deliverance is for Christians who are struggling, who maybe have life addictions, life-stealing addictions and behaviors. It can even be something with a fixation that you prefer one child over another. You know, it can be all kinds of things. And then to recognize, and, you know, I mean, the church is just teaching that all, you know, all you need is to say these words and invite Jesus into your heart, and you'll never struggle again. That's just not the truth. That's not the dynamic of the kind of world we live in. We know Mm -hmm. that we will never lose our salvation, that that Satan cannot take that away from us. But many, many Christians need deliverance for these um, scripts and processes and wounds that have set up in the flesh and they need freedom from that. And again, the best ministry that I know of that does this work, they've helped me and people that I know, is Freedom Encounters with Ken and Sylvia Thornburg. Okay. I thank and you he for would giving actually, us that too. Yeah. yeah, and he would actually be a great gift to have, or a great guest for you to have on your show. Um, and um, and uh, if you can get him to um, spend the time, because he's he's so articulate. And he has spent a okay. lifetime working in the issue of exorcism and deliverance. Oh, well, thank you for that information, Alice. I really do appreciate that. And Alice made another valid point, too. No matter what, once you start getting into God and getting into the Word, you're going to be attacked. My mother, she even went through a spiritual battle a lot mm-hmm. of times when I was growing up because he doesn't want you to become one with God. That's not his plan. Yes, he was once an angel, but see, he was disobedient. He wanted to have it his way, and you, he wasn't going to do that in the kingdom of God. No, sir. So I got to boot you on out. So he does whatever he can to attack you. He plays on our emotions, and he knows how to do it. That's why I try to be very careful who I tell my business to because he, he does. He he works off our emotions so much, but getting off getting off that subject, I would love to talk about your pre-production that you have out Woods and Series. Now I did check it out; it was awesome <laughs> on YouTube. I Thank felt you. it 
it almost did feel like a horror movie. Like, I felt really scared, especially the part when the man was walking up to her on the porch. I was like, uh-oh. I, I, I got <laughs> terrified. Because I didn't know what his next move was going to be. He didn't yeah. show his face. That was right. it's really awesome. I think you did a great job in putting it together just for the yeah. trailer part. Yeah. Well, that was um, that was the actor Steve Butler that played the role of the demon, and of course, the demon in my book Woods End. Um, I teach uh, some of these principles through the guise of fiction, and uh, mm-hmm. the demon could not come in the house unless he had an invitation to come in the house, and that's why people involved in the occult um, open these doors that are absolutely dangerous. They they don't understand what they're doing. They have uh, um, they just don't understand, and they, they need such help. And we're seeing many, many Christian children who have grown up in the church are opening these doors, and parents are completely oblivious to what's happening. But, um, but this was a um, – I wrote this screenplay uh, to Wood's End, and uh, my friend Brian Churchill um, was the director on that – um, project and we were hoping to raise some money to do an independent film and so we did the pre-production trailer just to show um, the quality to potential investors of what we could produce. We wanted to show the sound, everything from sound what? to John Paul John Paul Clark, who was the DP director of photography on the Grace Card, was our DP, and um, we wanted to just show, hey, we can do a quality film. But Brian died. He passed away uh, September um, 14th, 2013, Mm. last year, 43 years old. And um, my friend Joan Thomas um, was really instrumental because she was the first person that came to me and said, this is a great book. She had just read Wood's End, and she said, this needs to be a movie. And so the project, uh, we had a little bit of money raised. Um, The budget is just under a million dollars. And uh, if I had the money, I would pull the team together and we would make the film. But right now the screenplay is uh, with a production company, and I don't know. I just would ask people to pray about it for me because I would love to see the, love to see the film made. And as a writer, Technicia, I just can't – I know I'm not saying your name right. How do I say your name correctly? No, um, it is Technicia. Okay. I was. It was just thrilling for me as a writer to see the words that I had written come alive on the screen. And, um, and that trailer is on YouTube, anyone who wants to watch it. And if you want to donate to the film or if you're a producer out there and you'd like to make a Christian film um, that actually in a realistic way addresses the greater power of God's grace to overcome the occult darkness that Christians want to turn their backs to and say isn't happening, um, if you want to really make an impact in this area and you're interested in producing a film, I would love to hear from you. And you can contact me um, at alex underscore claire, C-L-A-I-R, at comcast.net, or contact Tanisha and, um, and she will tell you how to yes. get in touch with me. Yes, I sure will, because that... Hey, we got to help one another out, right? You know, I'm doing I'm doing this show, and it's and it's not for any money because I love to do. I love to talk. <laughs> I went into I studied communications in college, so this is I feel like this is what I need to be doing. So I will do what I can to definitely help you out because this is a great production. The editing was done nicely. It's crisp. It's clean. You could tell yeah. there was no there is no amateur work in this. 
Now, see me, I am an amateur when it comes to editing. I learned it, but you really have to be skillful with editing. You can't just do it one day. You have to just keep doing it over and over. So it's really nice. So I I hope whoever gets it and it gets in the right hands that they really take this all the way to the top because it's a nice, it is, it's nice. It's, It's really it's really showing you the true work of Christianity. It's not none of that play play stuff like the exorcism of Emily Rose, you know. I'm right, not sure right. Thing. It really well, is. Hollywood, Hollywood is just putting out so much stuff right. that is they just, do. It, it celebrates the darkness and it does not celebrate the absolute victory that we have in Jesus Christ to stand in defense of goodness and as an intercessor pray. And so the Woods End script, and it, we only selected a couple of scenes to do, but it's 13 minutes, and all of those scenes in the, in the actual script are shorter. Um, we did the scenes that Brian, as the director, wanted to do. Um, but we had some great actors. Amy Gousset, who played the character of Andrea, uh, was wonderful in that. And uh, Bob Gaypart basically paid the, played the part of the pastor, Thorson Dillahunt, and he's basically playing himself because he is, in fact, a he's an actor, but he's also um, the music minister at First Assembly God Church in um, here in Cordova, Tennessee. And um, so okay. we God just got we were just so fortunate that God brought the right people to be part of that project. And over two days, we produced right. that film. And uh, then, of course, there was a, as you said, editing a lot of editing. Wow. Yeah. Right, and it it was done on point, every point of the scene, especially when she slammed her hand into that on the center, on the porch. I was like, oh, ouch. Like, like, and it made me wonder, like, why did you do it? But I don't want, I don't even want that question to ask because I would just want to see it up close for myself. But it looks like it's. In the book, Andrea has multiple personality disorder. And so she's really in a state where she's. Um, seeing that demon, and she's actually seeing that demon, and that demon okay. is asking for permission to come in the house because remember okay. he says he in, he says you've invited me in for tea, and of course she never invited him in, and she doesn't invite him in, but she's trying to wake up from that displaced um, place that she is in her mind, and so that's okay. her way of, of breaking out of that, and then she doesn't realize it's not a dream until that scene when she's in the bathroom. And she looks at her palm, and there's blood. This really and you, happened. And yeah, and you saw her react to that. And I love the way John Paul Clark is the again the director of photography set up that scene. That's my favorite scene where she mm-hmm. goes into the bathroom and leans over the sink, and she's looking in the mirror. Didn't he do a great job with that? He did. Awesome. Awesome. Because yeah. when she did that, I was thinking when he said that you invited me in for tea. You know, the first thing I was thinking of. You know, you invited a, one of your friends in that you thought was your friend in yeah. for tea because you know, the devil comes through so many bodies, and you, that's why you can't really trust everybody. And my, my coworker, I always mention her on my shows because the first thing she always told me, you cannot tell everybody your joy for news because everybody don't pray for you the same way. Everybody's not going right. to be for you. And that's how I was yeah. thinking when he said, invited me in for tea. Okay, I'll invite this demon into my house. <laughs> yeah, now, you good come. point. And that's all you do. You come to destroy. Yes. Yeah. Um, I pray that your film do come about. I think it's going to be you. awesome. It's going to really pop. So you are thank so Thank you so welcome. much. And, and thank you for having me on. It has been just a pleasure to talk to you. You're 
such an intelligent interviewer, and um, I'm so grateful that you read the book and looked at the film. A lot of people interview me, and they haven't done those things, so I'm so hey. grateful that you did that, and I thank you for it. You do your preparation. Oh, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. I thank you for giving me the chance to interview you. I hope next time when anytime. we come on, anytime, we well, next time we talk on, um, when we get together, we'll be talking about, you know, because I wanted to get into the gift of discernment, but we got into the exorcism part, but that's all right, though. You got to talk about all of it a little bit. But, <laughs> Alice, it's been, it really has been a pleasure to have you all. I really wish for the best for your film, and I'll make sure that I get in contact with people who are into that um, industry and really get your film out there because it needs to be told. Yeah, it needs to be made. And uh, we've got a budget. We've got a pre-production trailer. We've got the prospectus. We have the capital investment agreement. Everything is in place. We just need the money. So thank you. And we need a new director. Yeah. I I know that's right because, right, we want somebody to carry on this man legacy. Right, but God haven't gave up on He's looking out for you too. He, He got your back. Yeah, thank you so much. You are so welcome. You have a blessed for Alexander. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And my loved ones out there, the truth of the day for my friend Mary Ellen is your gestures of kindness spread abundance. It is a gift you give to another person. When you act generously, it sends a powerful message of love and charity to those around you. Perhaps a friend could benefit from your assistance today. Or if you are out and about running errands, consider hold the door open. Offer to help someone who looks lost. Leave an extra dollar or two for the purchase of someone else's coffee. Offer to allow someone who is in a rush to go ahead of you in line. Show others compassion, generosity, and love may provide them with the strength they need to get through their day. Today, place another person's happiness in front of your own by performing a random act of kindness. You will feel good through making another person feel good. Enjoy the day everyone out there, and please go on YouTube, support my guest, Alexandra Clare work, Woods Woods and Series, The World in the Wood. So please go out and do that. Purchase her book. Her blog is on alexandraclare.com. God, please bless everyone out there, and you stay prosperous. Don't let the devil steal your sunshine today. Thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Tanisha. Come back daily from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. God bless.